We start in Ukraine, where thousands of people have been forced to leave their homes in the south because of flooding caused by the damage to a dam in the Dnipro River. President Zelensky said 80 towns and villages may be flooded after this attack, which he blames on Russia. Water is surging down. The river is said to be posing a catastrophic flooding risk to the city of Kherson. Russia has denied destroying the dam, which is in territory under its control, instead blaming Ukrainian shelling. John Donison has the latest. Breached the Novokhovka Dam, now almost unrecognizable. Water, seemingly the latest weapon in the war in Ukraine. And it's downstream on the Dnipro River where the damage has been done. In Ukrainian-controlled territory to the west, officials say 17,000 people need to flee their homes, another 25,000 in the Russian-occupied east. In Kherson, under Ukrainian control, there are fears the flooding could become catastrophic, and it's not the only worry. It's dangerous, says Catalina. She's not wrong. Russia pulled out of this city last year, but its forces are not far away. Fast, 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 fast. The dam was under Russian control, but each side is blaming the other for the apparent attack. Tonight, the Kyiv regime committed another terrorist crime. The Kokovka hydroelectric dam was blown up, which led to the flooding of significant territories. The whole world will know about this Russian war crime, the crime of genocide. Such deliberate acts by the Russian occupiers of the dam and other structures of the Kokova hydropower plant is an environmental bomb of mass destruction. So what is the significance of the Nova Kohovka dam? First, it supplies water to vast swathes of agricultural land, including in Crimea. But the reservoir behind it also provides water to cool the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Both areas are under Russian control. It looks like a natural disaster, but this was man-made. Whoever did this knew that the consequences would be massive, but they were prepared to do it anyway. John Donison, BBC News. I talked to Alexander Gillespie about some of these developments. He's Professor of International Law at the University of Waikato in New Zealand. I asked him about the difficulty uh, in terms of trying to identify who is behind this attack on the dam. I think we're looking at a unique moment in history because what we may be seeing is the commission of a war crime. It's something that we used to see originally in many earlier centuries, but it's been made illegal since the 1970s. There will be the question of who did it, but something's definitely changing out there right now. And therefore, with this war in Ukraine, the conflict in Ukraine, the fingers often pointed at Russia for many of the crimes taking place. Um, whilst the conflict is in motion, of course, it presents very huge difficulties in terms of the legalities of this going forward, doesn't it? It, it does. I mean, right now, everything's just alleged, but we'll have to start collecting evidence. But what you have fundamentally is an act which is disproportionate and indiscriminate, of which the civilians will bear the brunt of it. 
It may also be an environmental crime because it's widespread, severe and long lasting. But right now it's not getting the evidence, but you are seeing something unique because this is a threshold that has not been crossed so far this century. In terms of the international bodies that will be investigating this, finding out, trying to find out what really happened, who is responsible, talk us through that. So far, the International Criminal Court has got one charge against the Russian administration, and that's with regards to the legal deportation of children. It's likely that they will add more charges to the docket, and those could have been around the indiscriminate bombing of Ukrainian cities. But if this is linked to the Russian administration, then it's likely that this act could be added as a potential war crime. It's clearly a crime from the law from 1977. But the problem is, is that Russia withdrew its signature from a convention in 2019. And they would argue it doesn't apply to them. But many would suggest otherwise that it's now customary not to do such kind of disproportionate and indiscriminate warfare. Is it possible to gather the evidence required to prove beyond reasonable doubt who is responsible in these kind of circumstances? It will be very difficult. And it won't just be physical evidence. There will also be a lot of intelligence as well. But to be honest, there's a large gap between the theory of whether this is a war crime and whether there'll ultimately be accountability for this crime as well. Because you may find that the discussion about war crimes ends up being part of the peace process or treaty that eventually, hopefully, ends this conflict. Professor Alexander Gillespie, we appreciate your expertise on this. Thank you. Welcome. Well, let's now uh, connect with our diplomatic correspondent who is in Kyiv, Paul Adams. Good morning, Paul. So talk us through what are the top priorities today? Is it still mainly about evacuation, those who are at risk? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think there are some suggestions that up close to the dam, uh, around the town of Novokakovka on the Russian-occupied side, the floodwaters may gradually be subsiding. That was the town that really was completely inundated immediately uh, after the dam broke early yesterday morning. And we're seeing this enormous reservoir, this huge, the largest reservoir in the country, rapidly emptying. But all of that flood water is heading downstream, down along the Dnipro River. Satellite images show extensive flooding on both sides. And that involves a host of small communities along the riverbank. And then you get down to Kherson, uh, further downstream, a large city uh, retaken by the Ukrainians uh, in the autumn of last year, in, the late, in November of last year. There, it seems as though the floodwaters may still be rising. And we're seeing uh, emergency services still evacuating people from their homes, uh, going around flooded streets in boats trying to, to find who's still there and having to deal with the added risk of shelling from across the river from uh, Russian forces, which is making the rescue operation even more precarious. On the other side, in the Russian-controlled territory, we're getting reports of some uh, villages where the water is up at roof level and people have had to spend the night on their roofs waiting to be evacuated. Another issue which is preoccupying the government here is drinking water because the Dnipro River is a huge source of water for many, many people in eastern and southern Ukraine. And the government is addressing the, the, the problem of how to get, how to sustain uh, drinking water supplies, not just along the river, those communities, but in some towns and cities further afield. So there are a host of problems that have been created by the destruction of the dam. And I think we're still going to see in the course of the day the true, the, the true scope of this problem uh, unfolding. 